This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America, brought to you through the cooperation of the School of Communications at Webster University, the global university headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, and Link TV. And now, here's host Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week, it's all about consequences. Will the president of Brazil lose her job after she misled Congress? And what fallout comes from the Panama Papers? But first, Brittany Madison is here with more about impeachment in Brazil and the rest of our weekly review of news from around Latin America. A Brazilian congressional committee has recommended that Brazil's president be impeached, and Brazil's chambers of deputies, the lower house of Congress, will vote on impeachment against Dilma Rousseff this coming weekend on Sunday, April 17th. In a speech this week, Rousseff maintained that Congress is overstepping its authority by trying to remove her from office. Brazilians are with me in this fight. We are together in a battle. This is a battle against a coup d'etat in the form of an impeachment with no legal basis. Despite what the president says, recent polls show only 11 percent of Brazilians approve of her performance. Newspaper polls of members of Congress show the Chamber of Deputies is likely to approve impeachment by a slight majority. Brazil's Supreme Court denied a request by Rousseff's government to block the impeachment proceedings. She has also accused the Vice President Michel Temer of backing the impeachment so he could become president. We'll have more on impeachment in Brazil later on this program. Argentina's former president is defying a judge's order to cooperate with an investigation into fraud and corruption. A judge in Buenos Aires ordered former President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner to appear before an inquiry into currency exchanges at artificially low rates in the final days of her administration. Fernandez said she had nothing to hide but handed the judge a written response saying he was abusing his judicial power. Fernandez staged a rally against the judicial orders outside the courthouse where she was cheered by thousands of supporters. Critics of Fernandez said her government's currency policy may have cost Argentina billions of dollars and allowed investors who knew of the program to reap huge profits. Fernandez is one of the powerful world leaders whose friends and contacts are named in the Panama Papers about secretive investments. We'll have more on the Panama Papers later on this program. Peruvians narrowed their choices for president last weekend, with Keiko Fujimori, the daughter of former dictator, taking the most votes. Fujimori is the daughter of Alberto Fujimori, who ruled in Peru in the 1990s. Fujimori took 40% of the vote, but not enough to win the first round of voting. Economist Pedro Pablo Kuczynski finished second with about 26% of the vote. Fujimori and Kuczynski will face each other in a presidential runoff election in June. Election observers from the Organization of the American State criticized the voting, saying the system of disqualifying candidates was flawed and that there were numerous cases of voter fraud. Mexico's National Human Rights Commission has accused federal and local police officers with helping a drug gang kidnap and kill 43 university students. The case of the missing students has stained Mexico's human rights record. The bodies of the students were never found. The government says the students were arrested by police, turned over to the gang, and executed. Then the gang burned the bodies to destroy evidence. However, investigators for the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights have cast doubt on the official government story. And parents of the students have not given up on the call to find out the full details. Researchers have finally cracked the mystery surrounding the annual migration of the monarch butterfly between summer locations in the U.S. and Canada and their winter home in central Mexico. 
Researchers at the University of Washington and the University of Massachusetts teamed up to study the only insect that makes such a long migration. They found the insects use their eyes and antennae to navigate based on the position of the sun. And as the sun's position changes in the sky, that also triggers their migration cycle. The researchers' findings are published in the journal called Cell Reports. For Latin Pulse, I'm Brittany Madison. Thanks, Brittany. As she told us earlier, the complex scandals into abuse of power and corruption in Brazil come down to an important vote in Brazil's Congress this weekend, and many politicians are implicated in the growing scandal and political crisis. First on the list, President Dilma Rousseff, accused of hiding state spending from Congress. Then there's her predecessor as president, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, commonly called Lula, accused of corrupt practices. And the president of the Chamber of Deputies, Eduardo Cunha, accused of bilking the government of $40 million and hiding those profits in secret accounts. Cunha is leading the impeachment efforts against Rousseff. We asked journalist Alex Quadros to help us sort out the politics of impeachment. He's the author of the forthcoming book, Brazilian Heirs, Wealth, Power, Decadence, and Hope in an American Country. He joined us via Skype from Sao Paulo. This coming Sunday, which is April the 17th, Congress as a whole will vote on whether the impeachment proceedings should continue. And that takes two-thirds of Congress. And at this point, it's really hard to say what's going to happen. There are a lot of congressmen and women who are still undecided. The majority of those who have decided look like they're going to vote for the impeachment proceedings to continue. But President Dilma um, and Lula, uh, her predecessor, are both doing what they can to try and bring more congressmen to their side. Uh, they're offering posts, they're offering promises of, uh, to release uh, federal money for local projects, but the sentiment is very strongly against the Workers' Party and against Jilma. So it, I think it's going to come down pretty close to the line. This is fairly unusual to have a, have a vote like this on a, on a Sunday. Is this being staged for, for the nation to, to tune in? Well, that's a great question. Um, and because, especially because congressmen in Brazil don't like to work a lot. One congressman named Paulo Malufi, uh, who is actually, or was until recently at least, uh, wanted by Interpol uh, for alleged corruption, and who is a member of the impeachment committee. Uh, he recently joked in an interview that being a congressman is great because uh, he just has to pretend that he works. Um, and so the fact that the vote is happening on a Sunday is significant. This has been the day that uh, the pro-impeachment movement has chosen since last year to have its anti-government protests. Uh, Global, which is the largest media group in Brazil, um, and has shown a certain bias in favor of impeachment uh, in, its, in its coverage, um, has said that it will broadcast the vote live. Um, so the decision to hold it on a Sunday seems to point to a desire to increase popular pressure on what's going to happen inside the Chamber of Deputies. Because 
this is above all a political process. According to the Constitution, the president has to be found uh, to have committed a quote-unquote crime of responsibility. In this case, the alleged crime uh, is what are called pedaladas, um, which literally means peddlings, uh, as in bicycle uh, pedal. Um, but the allegation is that Juma, and the allegation seems very credible, by the way, uh, is that Juma uh, violated budget rules and disguised shortfalls in order to spend more. A lot of people argue that this, on its own, isn't a serious enough allegation to justify removing a president from office. And it really seems like it's being used as a pretense for a sort of backdoor recall. Uh, and so the fact is that congressmen, when they vote whether or not to proceed with impeaching Juma, they're going to be thinking about uh, what people on the street think they're going to be thinking about uh, the corruption case, which even though Juma is not accused of any crime uh, or suspected of any direct uh, link to the corruption at Petrobras, uh, is the backdrop for all of this popular discontent, uh, along with a brutal economic crisis. Well, let's try to unpack some of all that. Uh, first, we, we should make note that, that even though it isn't uh, regarded as uh, a heinous crime, um, we could say that not going to Congress to get permission to spend money would be an abuse of power. And does, does, um, is taking the president's office beyond uh, what it should be technically in, in Brazil and in many democracies? But I wonder if your point there is also about punishment. Are they also punishing her because she headed up Petrobras? She, she was the, the minister in charge of, of Petrobras uh, in the Lula administration. And, and so are people blaming both her and her predecessor for all of this corruption going on? And this is just the best way to punish her. It's arguable whether or not uh, violating budget rules the way she did is grounds for impeachment. But what is clear is that it is being used uh, as a way, or, or it may be used as a way to punish her for all of the other things that are going on in Brazil. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that there have been other requests for impeachment. Brazil's Bar Association, which is known as the OAB, submitted uh, an impeachment request more recently which is, much more which is much more complete, and it includes not only uh, the allegations about her uh, budget violations, but also includes the allegation by a former Workers' Party senator that she actually worked to obstruct the corruption investigations by naming a judge who would be favorable to the government's position. That, I think, is much easier to swallow as grounds for removal, but that request is not the one being considered by Congress. Why? Because the, uh, the previous request had already been accepted, had already passed uh, through some of the bureaucracy, and Congress understands that time is of the essence because the popular will and the popular support for this process is at its sort of maximum, and, if, and that if they don't take advantage of this moment, they might lose it. 
it is a moment of more or less a perfect political storm. You have this economic crisis. You have uh, uh, an active protest movement against the president. You have her popularity, uh, depending on the poll. I, I've seen single-digit polls, but but somewhere in the teens, uh, which is, is quite low for any president of any major democracy. Uh, so all of this is happening in, the, in this perfect moment. And also, as you mentioned, you, you have at least the dominant television network in Brazil seems to be campaigning um, uh, to make sure that, the, that there's a public um, part of this, of this punishment, that you, you, can, you can see this. Longtime observers of Brazil might say that um, President Lula ran against Globo. He, he was public about the fact he wasn't running against other political parties. He was running against Globo. Is, is this Globo, again, um, on the side of a particular impeachment in Brazil, um, that, that they, too, are, are get a vote in the process? Well, I think it's, it's important to uh, separate what, what Lula says about Globo, I think, is a much more extreme version of what's actually happening. Um, when I went to the last uh, anti-impeachment protest on March 31st, I'd say the most common target on protest signs was global. And people on the left, supporters of the Workers' Party, like to say that global is essentially in the conspiracy to uh, remove the Workers' Party from power, um, and, and they call it a, a coup. Now, I think that Global, like most media organizations, has political leanings, and these uh, express themselves in, you know, what you choose to focus on, uh, you know, how much coverage you give to different things. So, for example, Global may give more attention to corruption uh, allegations involving workers' party figures than to opposition figures. There was a very revealing cover of a global newspaper, um, or two covers, when there was a big pro-impeachment protest. The headline read, Brazil takes to the streets. Five days later, when there was an anti-impeachment protest, the headline read, Lula and Dilma's allies take to the streets. So it's presenting an idea that one view represents, the leg- you know, legitimately represents Brazil, and the other doesn't. Um, and even if a majority of Brazilians want Dilma impeached, at both positions are, of course, equally legitimate in a democracy. But there's a big difference between having political leanings and a difference in focus um, and actually being in a campaign to take a party out of office. Uh, I don't think things are quite that simple. And the fact is that the Workers' Party has demonstrably been involved in corruption on a massive scale. There would be no way to have a media conspiracy, uh, you know, quote unquote, if the Workers' Party hadn't gotten uh, so deep into corruption. I wonder about the irony of members of Congress also accused of corruption, uh, including the president of the lower house, the chamber of deputies, Eduardo Cunha. I wonder about the irony of seeing them um, in the prosecutorial role here 
Well, there's definitely some major cognitive dissonance here. I mean, the fact is that Juma is being is facing impeachment, um, but there is no suspicion that she in any way enriched herself personally. Uh, whereas, as you mentioned, Eduardo Cunha, the president of the Chamber of Deputies, uh, there's enormous evidence that he took millions of dollars in bribes uh, in Swiss accounts. And the fact is that when he, uh, it is up to him to decide whether or not to accept a request to open impeachment proceedings. And when he did that in December, it seems very likely that the reason that he did it is that uh, the Workers' Party decided to stop supporting him in the proceedings that he himself was facing in the Ethics Committee of Congress. Um, and actually, part of the government's defense um, in saying that the impeachment proceedings should not continue is that there's a kind of original sin in the way that these impeachment proceedings were opened, since they were, or seemed to be, very likely opened in retaliation against the government, uh, rather than any kind of objective idea of their merit. And corruption is a huge problem in every party in Brazil. And one of the ways that this is reflected is that people are very unhappy with Juma, but in the most recent uh, poll that just came out this weekend, they found that 60% of Brazilians want Juma to be impeached, but about the same number percentage of Brazilians also want her vice president, Michel Temer, to be impeached, who is from a different party, the PMDB, uh, who, which is also Eduardo Cunha's party. Uh, there's, and, and in fact, 77% of Brazilians want Eduardo Cunha to be kicked out of Congress. So there's a broad feeling, a broad anti-political sentiment, an anti-establishment sentiment. And people, I think, want everyone in Brasilia to lose their jobs. Thanks so much. Alex Quadros, the author of the forthcoming book, Brazilian Heirs, Wealth, Power, Decadence, and Hope in an American Country. Our guest today on Latin Pulse, thanks for joining us. Thank you. That interview was conducted via Skype from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Coming up, more abuse of power sifting through the fallout from the Panama Papers. Stay with us. This planet we call Earth, abundant with new food. New cures, new life, an amazing place. Please don't let it vanish without a trace. Call for your free World Wildlife Fund Action Kit with 10 simple things you can do to help leave our children a living planet. Call 1-800-C-A-L-L-W-W-F. Welcome back to Latin Pulse. We're still picking up the pieces from the bombshell investigative report called the Panama Papers a report that showed how global leaders and their close associates shelter money from taxes and sometimes hide corrupt practices. The new president of Argentina, Mauricio Macri, is already facing an official inquiry into his accounts, and former Argentine president Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner and her associates were also named. President Enrique Peña Nieto of Mexico faces new criticism after one of his business associates was also included on the list. And as we heard last week, 
Peru's presidential frontrunner, Keiko Fujimori, also has political advisors on the list. The papers come from a leak out of the offices of the Panamanian law firm Mozak Fonseca. Panama's president, Juan Carlos Varela, has pledged to cooperate with international investigations into the firm. Luis Boteo is a former news reporter and news anchor for Panama's national network, TVN Canal 2. Now he's with the International Center for Journalists. He joined us via Skype from Washington, D.C. to help us sort out the Panama Papers. It was impressive how the, especially the, the local, uh, the local uh, government uh, reacted immediately, uh, criticizing the stories. They were uh, defending the financial system. They thought it was an attack against the country. There were all kinds of conspiracy theories. People were saying these are the, the French government, these, these are the Americans, these are the Europeans. I mean, all kinds of stories uh, around how this happened. People were, didn't have any idea how come uh, uh, such an impressive, uh, shocking story for the country could have been leaked and suddenly they were in the middle of, 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 of the kind of attention of the war. So. Uh, people were speculating this might be uh, you know bad times coming to Panama. So I don't think at the moment people knew how huge the story was and how many people have participated. Uh, two days after the story broke, uh, it was then they, they kind of realized that the country, the name of the country uh, had been used called the Panama Papers and that they thought it was a terrible, terrible situation for the image. And they began looking for uh, people to, to, to blame for the use of the story. And of course, you know, the messenger always pays the price. So people were uh, trying to figure out who were the journalists who wrote the story or who participated in, in the consortium that, that reported the story. And that was something quite shocking because then, uh, you know, people started to, to just say, these are traitors and traitors. And, and the government didn't say anything to stop that rumor and, you know, uh, the government just was trying to say this is an attack against the country and we have to, to be together. Well, that raises the issue of safety and security for journalists in Panama. There were investigative journalists in Panama who, who took part in, in uh, revealing what was going on at uh, Mozak Fonseca, the, the law firm that, that this leak came from. What is the reality for those journalists now in this climate? Well, it is really uh, scary. I, I, I've been in touch with uh, with uh, one of them. Uh, he's now with uh, a bodyguard. I mean, this is really uh, it has never really happened I, uh, in Panama. You you never see a, a journalist with a bodyguard or security, private security, um, uh, going where he goes. Uh, uh, not even during, not even during the invasion of Panama. Uh, this is something you see in Colombia or, or in the Middle East or Mexico when you have the drug, you know, the drug cartels and, and the criminal organizations operating. Journalists need to be with bodyguards, but in Panama that had never happened. So it, it's really, uh, uh, it has really shocked the country, and and, and, and unfortunately. Uh, uh, the journalists who participated are, are, you know, taking precaution, all kind of security measures, having, uh, having bodyguards and so on, because, you know, when, when, when you have the, the government blaming others uh, for, for, for this, 
yeah, you may have followers of the government uh, trying to trying to uh, kind of uh, pay back for what what has happened. So that's uh, so that's why journalists now are, are taking precautions there, and uh, and um, you know uh, it is certainly a problem for for, for press freedom because. He sends a, a message to the other media organizations that are following of this story that they need to be careful for what, what they report on. What part of the Latin American impact impresses you the most about this investigative report? I would think that the, the, the most shocking part is that a lot of this government has come to power calling for transparency, and yet they were engaged in, 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 in activities that are uh, at least very secretive. You know, you have in Ecuador, for example, a, a top prosecutor, you know, uh, who shares uh, offshore uh, board members with uh, uh, a football star, a soccer star in Argentina, Messi. <laughs> you know, you have uh, uh, about 30 companies in Mexico uh, a drug dealer uh, had a convicted drug dealer had a had had an offshore company, uh, which the law firm knew uh, he was a drug dealer. So I, I think the the complexity of the information and the fact that that everybody is engaged in this, it really tells you how much um, uh, there is two kind of. Uh, Laws, one for the middle class and the poor, and the red and the others for the rich and powerful, regardless of the uh, political inclination. So, I think that's re- a huge revelation. You have a, a big revelation in Venezuela when you have top uh, uh, officials also engaged in this. You know, you have in, in in Venezuela a government that was trying to crack down on the elite. And then you yet you have military officers engaged in the same practice. So I, I think this is going to uh, react. The people is is begin are be, people are beginning to get anger at their uh, at their at their ruling uh, at their ruling parties and the and the government officials because they feel they feel that so much money has been stolen that they should not have poverty in, in poverty in, in most of these countries. And, and, and you could see in Central America, for example, Mexico and other countries, people are struggling um, just to, to go by. And, and, and they see that the rich and famous don't, don't pay their first share. You have been on this program before talking about corruption. Does this case, again, give us a sense of the depth of corruption and as a problem in Latin America? It is really deep. It is. I think this this revelation uh, kind of uh, tells us uh, that what we knew was probably uh, just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, and 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 I think this is going to uh, promote a, a more engaged citizen. I think uh, citizens in the region are are learning, uh, unfortunately, the hard way now that they don't trust their leaders. Uh, in fact, there is a, a recent poll that people just say, we, we never trust them. So now with this revelation, I think it's going to achieve the balance of power. You know, in a democracy, uh, citizens 
uh, and the media are kind of a check on the are, are a check on the powerful. You know, it, 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 they have the the uh, function of, of, of working as a, as a, uh, as someone that is trying to control power. And now with this, I guess they feel entitled to not only to do it, but actually engage directly. That now there are public petitions on the internet uh, running around for people asking everybody mentioned to step down if you are holding uh, office. Thank you so much, Luis Boteo, the International Center for Journalists. Join us via Skype from Washington, D.C. on Latin Pulse today. Thank you for so much, Luis. Thank you, Rick, for, for having me. Thanks for joining us this week for Latin Pulse. If you'd like to send us your suggestions or comments, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud, or you may write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's Latin Pulse, all one word, at gmx.com. You can also find our program at the website Latin America Goes Global. You can find that website at Latin America Goes Global, written as all one word, dot org. If you're looking for earlier editions of our program, we're available in other locations on the web, including iTunes, Facebook, and Henty Flow. And as always, you can find us in the Brazilian online game, Minimundos. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website. You can find it at linktv, all one word, dot org, and then slash Latin dash Pulse. That's linktv.org slash Latin dash Pulse. Thanks for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. For our entire team, production assistant Brittany Madison and technical director Jim Singer, I'm Rick Rockwell. Escuchen nosotros vez. Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced at the School of Communications at Webster University, the global university, headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, with music copyright support through Webster University and Link TV. This program is copyright 2016 Las Rocas Productions. Thank you.